Well, good morning, everybody. We are so grateful that each of you are here. And uh, what are you doing back there? All right. You just want attention, don't you? I tell you. Okay. <laughs> All right. We love you, Bruno. Amen. <laughs> well, we are so grateful that each of you are here. And for those of you joining online and literally around the world, welcome. You are going to be just so blessed today. Now, as we are here this morning, I just am so thankful that each of you have made your way here. Folks, we are living in a crazy, crazy day. And I hope you will read my little article there in the bulletin today. And if not, you'll get it this week in your inbox. But folks, we live in a day where churches and pastors are backing off. We are being shamed into silence. Our religious freedoms are being taken away by the day. And that's why it is so vital that we meet together in person as long as we possibly can. And for those of you that I know aren't feeling well and others just have to take some cautions, God bless you. We understand. But folks, uh, this is so important. And that's why we are here and having a Bible conference. We are having a Jesus conference, and for five services, we are going to focus on the most important thing that our world needs, and that is the hope that Jesus Christ brings. And so we are here to begin that this morning, and uh, the speaker you're about to hear, you are going to just so enjoy. And I just want to challenge you to try to be here, if you can, tonight, and Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, You know, last Sunday night, I said, folks, uh, here's what I would just say. Just go to the Lord and ask Him. Say, Lord, should I go to the Bible conference on Monday night, or should I stay home and watch Netflix? All right? Just how many would pray that prayer? And uh, no, I know you're not going to pray. I'm not lifting my hand, Pastor. You're trying to shame me. And uh, no, I'm trying to motivate you, but I say it all good naturedly I do but honestly folks I hope you will try to make it out here and we'll have uh, good refreshments before the service and great sweet fellowship a great time together so I hope you will uh, you know some lives are work driven and other lives are sports driven but around here we have a Jesus driven life a bible driven life and so uh, that's why a bible conference you know people go to conference on Comic Con, and they go to Game Con, and we're going to have Bible Con, and uh, so I hope that you'll just come and be part of the service, great singing and fellowship, and folks, we need that. People that are all by themselves and just off there, the devil snatches their uh, faith and their emotions, and so please, I hope that you'll be here. Well, uh, our guest today is a special a speaker. He's widely known throughout the Southwest, even America. He's a former pastor. He's an evangelist. He is a Bible preacher, a uh, colorful man of God, a great, uh, humble brother in the Lord. And for us, he's a personal friend uh, of the late uh, Brother Eugene Hayden, our dear friend here, and also Brother Dennis Irwin. And so I want you to give a great home church welcome to our speaker, For our Bible conference, Brother Mike Thrift, would you give him? (laughs) Brother Mark. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. Love you, God. 
I do greet you this morning in the name above all names, the lovely and precious name of the Lord Jesus. The name of which the Apostle Paul said that God hath also highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is so good to be back here at the home church and I must say, I feel right at home. If this atmosphere is contagious, then I've got the disease. <laughs> Our dear brother here a moment ago said that Brother Bruno sang like Perry Como. <laughs> I assume that he might say that I look like Kojak. <laughs> I look better, he said. But I'm glad to know as I look out over this congregation that I'm not the only one of the follically challenged that is here today. <laughs> We're a close-knit group, I guarantee you. Don't have much to knit with, but nonetheless, we're close-knit. My, this auditorium, what can I say? What can I say? It's speechless. Uh, your pastor took me through here yesterday, and I said, Brother Tim, I said, when we walked through here two years ago, a little, little over two years ago, I knew it would be nice, but I could never imagine that it would look like this. It, it kind of reminds me of what Paul said in Ephesians 3 and 4, 4 and 18, now unto him that is able. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think. I commend you. It stands as a testimony to this area. And the fact that you've done it without debt stands as a testimony to churches all across the landscape of this nation. God bless the home church. I want you to look with me this morning into the gospel of Mark. Mark's gospel chapter number four. I won't be long, but I want to give you something that I believe to be a powerful truth. Before I read the text, I believe that all of you will agree with me that the year that we have just lived through is an unprecedented year. I don't believe I've ever seen a year like it in my 65 years of life. We've been through challenges as a nation, challenges as churches, and challenges as Christians that are unprecedented. We've been through a physical challenge. I mean, the coronavirus came on the scene. We didn't know what it was. It was different than anything we've seen before, not just in the sickness itself, but because it not only affected our states and our nation, but it affected the world in which we live. We've been through social challenges as a nation. And my, the weight of these things has tugged upon us and brought many of us 
low. We've been through political challenges. It seems like challenge after challenge after challenge. A lot of things have changed, but let me tell you one thing that hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I got to tell you this morning, dearly beloved, when all the smoke clears and all is said and done, he's still going to be on the throne. That's really what this story is about this morning. This story is about a storm that Jesus and his disciples went through. But I must tell you, and you'll be glad to know they came through to the other side. Now, I want you to know, dearly beloved, we're going through to the other side as well. And I'm not just talking about heaven, but I'm talking about our trials and tribulations. But if you look with me in Mark's gospel, chapter number 4, I want to begin reading in verse number 35. Read with me, if you will, please. In the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us. Pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves began, beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship. And I want you to notice this next phrase. It says, asleep on a pillow. Asleep on a pillow. Now you have to remember, this is the same one of whom the Word of God says that the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. Foxes have their holes and birds have their nests. But the Son of Man, He doesn't even have a hole or a nest. But on this occasion, the Holy Spirit saw fit to let us know that He had a pillow to lay His head on. I got here yesterday afternoon. I gained two hours. I was ready to go to bed at 8 o'clock. So I tried to stay up till midnight. I didn't make it. But when I did, I was glad I had a pillow to lay my head on. Let me make this observation before I read on. It's a blessing to me to know that what scares you and I half to death puts him to sleep. Let me say that again. What scares you and I half to death puts Jesus to sleep. <laughs> he was asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? See, this really was a challenge to their faith. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? <clears throat> that even the wind and the sea obey. Father, bless the reading of your word. 
Give me wisdom. Give me unction. Give me the anointing of your spirit. Help me to preach this message and give words today that will give strength, comfort, and resolve to the people of God. That will help us all to put this past year into perspective. And to look away from all those things and to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We'll be careful to give you all the glory and honor and praise and thanks. For indeed, we ask these things in the name that is above all names. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to speak just for a few moments this morning on the subject. Pillows to lay our head on in the midst of the storm. Pillows to lay our head on in the midst of the storm. And I trust that as I preach this message and even as it is over, and even before I came here to preach it today, that Many of you, many of us have found these pillows to lay our head on in the midst of the storm that we've been through. Pillow number one. I'm grateful today that we have the pillow of God's people. (laughs) The pillow of God's people. You see in the text here, dearly beloved, in verse 35 it says, Let us pass over. Let us pass over. Who is the us here? It's the disciples. They were chosen in in chapter 3. They had preached to a great multitude and had sent the multitude away. And Jesus and his disciples got on this ship and they began a trek. They, They began a journey to the other side. Suffice it to say, dearly beloved, that when the storm started and the rains began to fall and the winds began to Dearly beloved, these disciples were not in this by themselves. I'm glad as I look back over this past year, as I've traveled and traversed most of this nation, I'm glad to know, dearly beloved, that I'm not in this storm by myself. And I'm glad to tell you this morning that you're not in this storm by yourself either. I want to say I'm glad I have the church, the church to worship with, the church to fellowship with. I'm glad I have the brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm glad I have the beloved of God this morning to hug their neck, to shake their hand, to fellowship with them, for them to hold my hand and pray for me. And even when I've found myself in need, they've given so that all the needs might be met. I'm glad I have a pastor to feed me a pastor that I can call and talk to, a pastor that can speak corrective and comforting words to me. I'm glad I have a brother or a sister in Christ that I can get on the phone and talk to and meet with and I can draw encouragement from their counsel and we can pray together. I'm just glad to tell you this morning that you and I have the pillow of God's people and oh my, in the midst of the storm, what a pillow to lay our head on to know that we're not in this by ourselves. 
After all, dearly beloved, we all share a common bond. You see, these men were all disciples. They had been called of the Lord. They had been commissioned of the Lord and sent out by the Lord. They were all disciples. And if you're here today, dearly beloved, and you've been saved by the grace of God, you're a disciple too. You have a call on your life and you have a commission on your life. And I'm glad that when the storms of life begin to begin to blow our way we have the comfort of a common bond with fellow believers who love Jesus Christ and follow him faithfully we not only share a common bond but we share a common boat (laughs) you see there were other little ships I don't know about all those other little ones, but I'm here to tell you, the one I'm interested in, Tim, is the one Jesus is in. And I'm glad to tell you, dearly beloved, we share that common boat. The old ship of Zion, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's been scattered, she's been scarred, and she's been blown. But she's still afloat, and she's going to the other side. To God be the glory. We share a common bond. We're disciples. We share a common boat. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it did say that there were all kinds of little ships out there. And all those other little ships represent the man-made ways to try to get to the other side. I'm glad I'm on the God-man's way to get to the other side. But we share a common battle. We share a common battle. The forces of hell. The forces of evil. The forces of sin. The forces of this cosmos. This world system. And all of those things that blow against and beat against the ship of Zion. We share a common battle. And sharing that battle, we ought to know how to pray one for another. We ought to know how to encourage one another. We ought to know how to speak encouraging words in there and say, don't quit, don't get discouraged, keep your head up. Jesus is in the boat. God is on the throne. He'll take us through to the other side. But not only do we see here the pillow of his people, But even more importantly, we see the pillow of his presence. Jesus was in the ship. It says there in verse number 36, they took him even as he was in the ship. And it says in verse number 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship. Oh, I want to thank God. For the pillow of his people. But can I say to you this morning, there's nothing as indispensable as the pillow of his presence. Dr. Lee Robertson used to have a saying that hung on the back wall of that great church that he pastored in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And on that wall it said, God said it, I believe it, And that settles it. But years later, my father said, and he was not trying to correct Dr. Robertson, God forbid. 
But he said, God said it. And whether you and I believe it or not, that settles it. I want to say to you this morning that God is a majority all by himself. He doesn't need the majority of the people. He doesn't need the majority of public opinion. Where were we when he spoke this world into existence in six literal days? He said, let there be light, and there was light. He divided the firmament. He made the animal kingdom. He made the insect world. He made the marine life. He made man. And let me tell you how much he loves man. Out of everything God created, man is the only thing he put his hands on. He molded together that dirt. And not only did he put his lips on it, his hands on it, he put his lips on it. Mouth to mouth resuscitation. He breathed into him the breath of life. I'm just saying if I'm going to hook my car to any train, it's the one where Jesus is the engineer. If I'm going to hook my car, dearly beloved, to anything this morning, it's the one where God is on the throne. God all by himself is a majority. And I thank God for these people that were on this ark. But more than that, I thank God for the presence of Jesus Christ. He was in the ship. I tell you, we have such precious promises in the Word of God like Matthew 18 that says this, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Let me tell you who's here this morning. I can't see him with these eyes. But I'll tell you, he's walking these aisles. He's sitting in this, these seats. He's standing on this platform. He is the unseen guest that's here today. And you and I have the promise of his presence. I cannot help but think of what he told the disciples before his ascension. He said, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And listen to this. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Let me tell you who was with us even when this pandemic arose among us. Even when fear gripped our hearts let me tell you who was with us when some of our loved ones went into the IC units and some of them went on home to be with the Lord. Let me tell you who was with us. Jesus was with us. You and I have the pillow of His presence. and I, wanna, I want to encourage you today that no matter what storm's blowing in your life, lay your head on the pillow of His presence. Let me just show you three things about his presence in this text. Number one, we have his promised presence. I love what it says in verse 35. And I'm going to use a Texas word here. He didn't say, y'all go to the other side. Or you guys go to the other side. He said, let us, Tim. You're not going by yourself. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> You and I have his promised presence. 
Thank God for His promised presence. But not only do we have His promised presence, we have His permanent presence. You study this text. They came to the other side, and guess who got off that ship with them? Jesus did. Nowhere on the journey in between did Jesus jump ship. I'm glad to tell you today that Jesus doesn't jump ship. Before I was converted, baseball was my God. All I ever wanted to be was a major league baseball player. And in sports, they have a saying that is common, and it is this. If the heat gets too hot, get out of the kitchen. Well, I'm here to tell you, friend, it never gets too hot for Jesus, and he's not getting out of the kitchen. Just ask Daniel, who was in the lion's den, and King Jesus showed up. Before it was over, Daniel wasn't in the lion's den. The lions were in Daniel's den, because Jesus was there. Just ask the three Hebrew children who when they threw them in the fire, the men died of the superheated hot air. And yet at some point, King Jesus walks in the furnace and says, pull up a chair, boys, and warm your hands by the fire. He never jumps ship. And I'm here to tell you there may be times you thought he did. There may be times you wondered if God had forgotten you. But I got to tell you today, dearly beloved, his presence is permanent. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But then there's his prevalent presence. You see, when the storm began to blow, I love this. It says there in verse number 38, and they awake him. He was only a prayer away. In the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4, it says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. And then it says this, For the Lord is at hand. When I was first converted, and I'd read that passage, I thought he was talking about his second coming. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying no matter where you are, No matter what you're going through, the Lord is at hand. He's only a prayer away. He is only the extension of our arm away. He might be standing in the shadows where we cannot see Him. But His ear is bent towards our direction, waiting for us just to come to Him and call upon Him. During this pandemic... Well, let me say this first of all. The other day after I, I texted Tim, I said, but Tim, are we still having the meeting? Because I know everything has been so confusing. He said, oh, yes, we are, Brother Mark. And then afterward, he texted me back. He said, just a heads up. When you come, you're probably going to get a virus. <laughs> he didn't say the virus, and I was glad he didn't say that. I was thinking, Lord, yeah, let it be a virus and not the virus. I showed it to my wife. She said, well, what do you think? (laughs) I said, you don't want to know. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. God's called me to preach. You can't quarantine the Great Commission. 
You can't quarantine the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's one essential entity in this world, it is the church. It is the body of Jesus Christ. And if he's not bigger than the coronavirus, and he's not who he says he is. I preached a meeting in Cold Spring, Texas. There's nothing cold about that part of Texas. And after I preached, 30 people came down with coronavirus. The next week, I went and preached in Canton, Texas for Dennis Irwin at his yearly East Texas Baptist camp meeting. Many of the people who were in the Cold Spring meeting came to the Canton meeting. I thought, wonderful. The disease is traveling. I preached Sunday morning in a church, and that Sunday evening, I began to have all kinds of abdominal pain. And I thought, well, I have maybe I have a UTI. Maybe that's what it is. I don't. I'm 65 years old. You know, I mean, I'm susceptible to those things. I didn't know what it was, but all I knew is I hurt so bad I had to go lay in the bathtub in hot water to get feeling better. Tuesday night, I mean Monday night, same thing. I didn't even get to go to the services. I watched them on the computer and Tuesday was my night to preach. Then this urban called me and said, Brother Mark, now look, if you, we still didn't know what I had. I got news for you. I still don't know what I had. I'm a little stubborn. I'm old school. I haven't been tested and don't want to be tested. <laughs> and he said, Brother Mark, if you want to just take off this week, I said, no, no, I don't want to do that. He said, if you want to preach maybe later in the week, maybe we can make a switch. I said, no, sir. I will preach tomorrow night. Or tonight, it's Tuesday night. And on that Tuesday night, I preached this message. This is something God gave me during this pandemic. And toward the end of the message, the pulpit became a pillar for me to lay my head on. I hope the glare doesn't blind you. I think I probably had it. My wife thinks I had it. But let me tell you what I'm glad about. Whether I had it or not, let me tell you who's with me. King Jesus was with me. He's with you in the sick bed. He's with you in the ICU unit. Yes, I know many have gone home, and that's not a death sentence. That's a life sentence. I know it's taken some precious people among us, but I'm glad tonight, friend. He's not just in some ivory palace somewhere. He's not just up and away. I'm glad He is in us. He is with us and He's through us today. And we are more than conquerors through Him. The pillow of His people. I'm glad I have the church. 
I'm glad I've had the church to walk through with this. I had 23 meetings canceled, but God opened other doors. Some people were worried about my finances. I'm glad to tell you, like your church, I received more love offerings last year than I did the year before. I'm glad for the pillow of his people. I put my head there many a night and laid my head on that pillow and rested. I'm glad for the pillow of his presence that there's nothing that shall befall us. That he is not designed. That he is not allowed. But then there's the pillow of his power. The pillow of his power. I love this verse. It says here, verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the wind, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I want to remind you that Jesus was there in the six days of creation. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. It was Jesus that spoke this world into existence. And brother, when Jesus stood up on the bow of that ship and went, the wind says, that sounds like the voice of the Creator. Let us be still. And when Jesus stood on the bow of that ship and raved His right arm of deity, the wave said, I've seen that arm before. That's the arm of the Creator. Let us lay down. It was such a powerful, dynamic moment that all the men feared exceedingly in verse 41 and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to point first of all, friend, that this Power, the pillow of his power is greater than the storm. It's greater than the storm. It's greater than the coronavirus. It's greater than cancer. It's greater than heart disease. It's greater than social injustice. It's greater than political confusion. His power is greater than the storm. But I want to say, dearly beloved, he does not always steal the storm. He does not always quiet the storm. Sometimes he just takes us through. Hey, dearly beloved, let me say this. He he may not have blown the storm away in your life, but raise your hand and give him praise. He has sustained you through it. And when you come out on the other side, your faith will be strengthened. You'll be more like Jesus. One Corinthians, if I was Donald Trump, I'd say... One Oh, who was that? 46th president of the United States. If I was him, I would say 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. And here's what Paul said. There hath no temptation, storm, taken you, but such as is common unto man. But God, who is faithful, well, I'm so glad he's faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the storm, with the temptation, provide a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Notice that phrase there, way of escape. 
Because what he's magnifying there is he may not blow the storm away. He may let the winds blow. He may let the waves roll, but he'll take you through it. God said, I've never promised to take you over it, around it, or under it. I've promised to take you through it. Because spiritually, dearly beloved, if we never had storms, we'd take the goodness of God for granted. But it is through those storms that God does his best work and that we grow the most. I believe this. When he said, God who is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, as he takes us through the storms, there's one of two things he does. He either will lessen the intensity of the storm or he'll heighten our ability to go through. But he's faithful. He's faithful. His power is not only greater than the storm, his power is greater than Satan. You don't need to turn there, but the very next chapter they go into the land of Gadara. Guess who's waiting on them? The devil is. He's there. 10,000 of them have filled a man who is roaming through the tombs, howling at the moon and breaking the chains and fetters. Sees Jesus coming, he runs to Jesus. One would think that the conversation ensued was between the demoniac and Jesus. But it wasn't. The devil spoke through this man. Let me just show you something here. It's very interesting. What, what he said here. Verse 7 of chapter 5. And, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Do you remember that, say, that hell was made for the devil and his angels? Let me tell you what this demon was scared of. He was scared that Jesus was going to send him to hell. That's why he said, why have you come to torment me before my time? Oh, their time's coming. I got news for you today. It may look like the church is losing. It may look like righteousness is losing. It may look like truth is falling in the streets. But I'm here to tell you, payday's coming someday. Jesus is coming. And he'll call all men to task. Well, Jesus gave that, those demons permission to go into the hogs. And friend, what we learn from that is the hogs can't even stand what humans can stand. They ran off the hill, off the slope, and into the Sea of Galilee. But the truth is, dearly beloved, his power is not only greater than the storm, his power is greater than Satan. I'm glad for what Paul said in the book of Romans. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When I was a little boy, my daddy gave me spankings. That's the politically correct word. The more apt word was whippings. I have to learn what people can take. And I got to thinking during one of those said whippings. What can I say to lessen the intensity of said whipping? So I thought I would wax spiritual. And I made the statement, Daddy, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Wrong thing to say. He paused for a few moments, gave me a lesson in theology, and then recommenced said whipping. 
glad greater is he that is in us. And we may fall sometime, and we may falter, and we may fail, but we have the power of an indwelling Christ living within us to lift stuff up and over, above, and through the storms of life. He's greater than sickness. You go on in that fifth chapter. His power is greater than sickness. You go on in that fifth chapter, and he heals a woman with an issue of blood. God doesn't always heal, but he can heal. He doesn't always heal, and only God knows in his sovereignty why he chooses to or not. But it's greater than the sickness. Then I want to close with this thought, and that is, we not only have the pillow of his people, thank God for the church and the pillow of his presence, the promised presence, the permanent presence, and the prevalent presence. We not only have the pillow of his power, that is just simply greater. But we have the pillow of his promise. You see, in verse 35, he made a promise, and here it is. Let us go to the other side. And look at chapter 5 and verse 1. And they came over unto the other side. The pillow of his promises. I love the way he conveys his promises. All of his promises come from the word of his mouth. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot nor one tittle shall in any wise pass away from the law till all be fulfilled. Every promise God has for you and every promise God has for me, it is written in this blessed book. Read it, feast off of it, eat it, drink it today. It is your health, it is your help, it is your strength, it is your sustenance. I love the way he conveys his promise, the spoken word. And I love the way he completes it. And they came to the other side. I don't know which poet said it, but we've often heard it told, this too shall pass. And I know the coronavirus has been rough. And I know we now have a new administration And the outlook is bleak as far as many of our amendments and freedoms as Americans. And even more so as churches and Christians. I understand that. But I also understand that it is God that puts kings up. It is God that brings kings down. I used to tell our people, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Nothing sneaks up on his blind side because he doesn't have one. He's well aware today. The thing that you and I need to stand on is not the stock market. Not Fox News or any other news. Not the daily edicts of the administration. And I need to stand on the everlasting promises of God. Standing on the promises. I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior. As my all in all, standing on the promises of God, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my 
Savior standing. I'm standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Joshua, look not to the right hand and look not to the left, but continue thou and stay thou in the book of this law. And as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I guess I'm kind of silly. I stay in a lot of motels and one my favorite motels is the Hampton Inn and Suites. They have the fluffiest pillows you've ever seen. And they put six on every bed. And Tim, I'll arrange them where I have, all the way across the bed, I have one for my head, one for my arms, and the other one for my legs. And no matter where I turn, there's a pillow to lay my head on. That's what the Lord wants us to know. And no matter where we turn, there's a pillow to lay our head on. Come on back to the Bible conference. Come on back to church. Come on back to winning souls and passing out tracts. Come on back to Sunday school and to the children's program. Come on back. You've really nothing to fear but fear itself. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, Nobody looking around. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, our dear brother. Our worship leader is going to come. Lead us in a song. Here in a moment, to whatever end that God has led him, this altar is open. I see some pillows here. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're overwhelmed and overcome. Why don't you come on down and lay your head on one of these pillows?